eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Dato Download Podcast, part of the Peristyle Podcast family of shows, of which I I think I'm making or have made an appearance on nearly every iteration here these last couple of weeks and this week coming up because of all the different things going on right now with USC Athletics. I'm Shotgun Spratling alongside co-host Jack Smith, and we're here to bring you the latest on the USC baseball program, which is vying for its first trip to the NCAA tournament since 2015 and only its second one since t- 2005. Jack, how are we doing tonight? Your final doing- night back home, yeah. right? Final night back home before I moved to San Luis Obispo for the summer to carrying out with my internship, but uh, I'm not as active as you are in all these shows, but I'm excited to, to get this episode uh, through and talk some USC baseball because it's a big week for the Trojans. Of course, we're going to recap what happened last week, but what happens in this week that is upcoming could really decide USC's entire season. Jack and I are here to break down everything that happened last week in the final week of the regular season for the Trojans, which of recent tradition had been the end of the season since USC had so infrequently made it to the postseason. That's not the case this year. The Trojans are heading to Scottsdale. They're actually already there on a Sunday night to make their first ever appearance in the Pac-12 tournament being held for the second time this year. Along with last week's action, we'll also look forward previewing the Pac-12 tournament and we'll see just where USC's resume stands for a potential at-large berth in the NCAA tournament. But before we get into all that, I was able to grab us a special guest this week. I was fortunate enough to be joined by USC head coach Andy Stankowitz the likely front runner for Pac-12 Coach of the Year. That'd be my pick right now. After taking a USC team that was picked next to last in the Pac-12 preseason poll and finishing in fourth place, just the third time since 2005 that USC has finished in fourth or above. I was able to chat with Andy a little bit earlier before Jack was available. So first, let's check out that interview, and then Jack and I will be back to break down everything that Andy had to say. Andy, thanks for taking the time to join me on this Sunday evening after you guys have gone ahead and made your way to Scottsdale after closing out the regular season with a three-game series down in Tucson and Arizona. Let's start with that Arizona series. You're coming off a big weekend where you swept Arizona State. You moved back into the NCAA tournament field in the projections over at D1 Baseball. You picked up a midweek win against a really good Loyola Marymount team, snapped that road losing streak. I know you wanted to get rid of that. Uh, but then after a, a miserable Thursday night where just a, a downpour of rain in Tucson, you guys play a doubleheader on Friday. You drop both those games. Suddenly you're back in that bubble conversation. You're staring at a potential losing streak heading into the Pac-12 tournament. Instead, your team comes out and jumps all over Arizona in the Saturday game, and you have to build upon it and build upon it. 
uh, to get that win. How does that win in the final game kind of change the mentality, maybe the momentum going into this week in Scottsdale for you? Uh, well, Shotgun, first, thank you for having me on. Um, yeah, I think it was big. Uh, there's no question. Um, last week of the year, and, and we had bad bad conditions on Thursday night, unusual Thursday night, and just there for a long time waiting. The rain just really didn't stop. And so we elected to do doubleheader on, on Friday. And, um, yeah, they got us, man. They sung the bats really well, and they, they put it to us uh, pretty good. Um, but then it was a great, great response yesterday. Um, and we did do that. We did – need to get it, get the train moving back in the right direction. Um, um, and it, that's one of the, the, the characteristics of this ball club I like is, is we've, we've responded really well. We've hit some, some hurdles and, and kind of got knocked down, but um, we've been able to, to, you know, get back on, get back up and, and, and get back on it. And so, um, but that was certainly, you know, coming into the tournament um, and getting a win on the road and all those things and just playing good baseball. I thought we swung the best really well. Um, and so, uh, so hopefully it's nice momentum going into, into this week. You got a little bit of advantage having annually participated in that eight team tournament just down the street from your time at Grand Canyon playing the WAG tournament. It's played at Hohokam stadium. How do you go about handling a conference tournament that starts on a Tuesday? I mean, it's just a different week for everyone, you know, across the, across the country where, you know, do you treat it like it's a, you know, a midweek game and you just, you know, it, do you, with that first game being on Tuesday and, you know, with this unique format, you know, how do you kind of, you know, figure out uh, the way through the tournament with, you know, the fact that you're going to have a bye day uh, in, in the middle of the, the tournament as well? Well, it's nice. And it's nice to have that be off on, on Wednesday. That will, that will be helpful if we get a little workout in and, and be ready to go on Thursday. Um, I think, you know, in in, in past and in, in being in the WAC tournament, I think um, it's win, man, just win. It, you know, um, obviously you want to try to, safe pitching, but I think winning takes certainly takes precedent or anything else. And so um I think our, our main objective on, on Tuesday will will be to to put a put a good performance out there and, and get a and get a win and then move on from there. Um I you know I don't know, you know, to be quite honest that who we may or may not start here. You know, because we got pushed back to Friday doubleheader, you know, with Sarston and and so we've got um we got him possibly, but come back on a short, short span there. I'm not sure. I like that too much, but we'll figure it out. Um, but I think more than anything else, um, you gotta get, you gotta be prepared. You got a good work day tomorrow, and then come out on on Tuesday and ready to ready to go. These these tournaments, man. They if you if you get down early and you and you get in a losers bracket, and I don't, I know we don't have a bracket here necessarily with losers bracket, but um, you find yourself, you know, kind of just in a bad spot quickly, and so. I think it's going to be important that, that we get out of the gate really well. Now, what are you kind of anticipating from this pool play format? Now, the Pac-12 is going to this new this year. It's kind of basically emulating the ACC is probably the most, uh, you know, similar to it. Uh, because last year, you know, I tried the, you know, eight team with two basically regional brackets, and it just wore down everybody from myself uh, covering games starting at 9 a.m. in the morning and then almost every day going past midnight uh, to the pitching stabs and whatnot. So the, the Pac-12 coaches decided to make the adjustments. With this pool plate, though, what, what is kind of different about it? How do you approach it maybe a little bit different than you would a, a traditional, you know, bracket tournament? Well, I think, um, yeah, I heard the, the the kind of horror stories on last year, right? <laughs> the incredibly long days, and, and it's, uh, it looked sound like it, it was more of a, a war of 
survival than anything else um, to the end there. And so I think that, you know, and I was new to those meetings, obviously, you know that. And so I just sat back and kind of listened and I'm not sure I really had much to say. Um, I didn't really experience what the other coaches had gone through, but I totally get it. Um, I think that, uh, you know, we, we felt and listening to the guys, coaches in the room, they're all great baseball minds and great people that, you know, the, the, uh, the regular season, right. That, that should carry a lot of weight, right. As you go in a tournament. And so, um, and make sure we're, we're putting the guys that were teams were out in front, you know, the one and the two and, and here you see the three kind of in a little bit more favorable position going into the tournament. Cause I think that's correct. I think that's the right way to do it. You have to, you have to be rewarded in some way for, for being in a good spot at the end of conference play. And so I think that's one of the ways that they tried to establish it or we try to establish it. And so, um, and I think this format's good. I mean, if you, if you win two, you're going to, you're going to be in that final four. If, if you lose two, you're going home. And if you're one-on-one, you know, you, it's just now just becomes a matter of the other teams that are one-on-one kind of where you were seated. And then, and then again, that that's a big part of it as well is because if there's a tie, you know, it goes back to the body of working conference that whoever has the, the bigger, better seed would get the nod to, to get into the four spot. In the, in the final four and so i don't think you you play as many games either which is good because i think sometimes you go in those tournaments and man you you fight you're kicking your claw to win the tournament but now you make it to a regional and now you're just you're kind of gassed out you know regional right and so i think it's it's a good format i think it's obviously new and um we'll we'll review it as as uh you know the coaches review it when it's over but i think um i think it's something that they were excited about, about doing it. We'll see how it plays out, but I think it, I think it should play out well. And I, first I got to congratulate you. I didn't do that, but uh, I mean, picked to be 10th in the conference at D one baseball. We had you at, at pick to 11th to finish fourth and to, to win on that, that final day to secure that four spot to one, you know, to help you out if there is the tiebreaker there uh, moving ahead of Arizona state, but also to get yourself away from that 10 a.m. game, you get that, you know, more normal start time uh, in the afternoon. I'm sure you, you appreciate that a little bit um, just because you know, those, those 18 to 22 year old kids don't always, you know, they're already always ready at 10 a.m. for everything. So we'll, we'll see, uh, you know, if there are any unique uh, challenges for that pool uh, that, that plays in that as well. But yeah, I think, you know, th- these kids have played so much baseball. They've played in all these, just club events growing up. They're used to playing, breaking <laughs> up and playing baseball. I mean, I, I you know, they love batting practice, um, but, you know, batting practice is the most overrated thing we do in the game. And so I, I think, and so um, go in the cages, get some swings and, and come out and get some good sprints, get a good stretch and let's go. And so, um, you know, that's, that's okay. That's fine. It's, you should, we should still be in a position to play good baseball if we're playing at, at 10 o'clock or if we, we don't have batting practice or whatever it may be. And so um, that's just part of, I think, trying to train our players and, and every coach trying to train your players that, that, um, you know, Hey man, when, when he says play ball, we got to be ready to go. And so, um, so I, they're there, but that's part of the format as well. And, and I, a lot of this is new to our guys. And I, and so that's, that's you trying to educate them as best we can um, unfortunately I've got a coaching staff here that's been in a lot of big games and tournaments and conference tournaments and in regionals and all that. So, um, we got to do our best to try to educate the guys on kind of what to expect because I don't, right. We know that, that our guys have not, not been to a conference tournament and they have not, they have not been to a regional. They've not really, um, unfortunately had, had much of a, of a postseason experience. And so, 
I think we gotta we gotta educate them and kind of kind of guide them along the way on kind of what to expect. Is there anything you can do in these next couple of days since you are guys have already gone to Scottsdale to try to get into that routine? Well, I think part of it is is, is stay consistent with what we've been doing. You know, we talked about eating and drinking, hydrating and, and getting workouts in and, and just stay in the course. I think that's as much of it, stay in our routine. I think routines are good and it kind of eases um, typically ball players to kind of, I guess, I got my routine. And so we're trying to stay in the same routine. We're not trying to change things up much. We're trying to get our workouts in with in the weight room and um, trying to, just like when we travel on the road, just do a lot of things together. Um, spend time and it it's hard because you got to try to keep them unified within each other but then you got families and and they come to town and they want to spend time with them and i get it i understand that totally and so um i want our families and parents to enjoy this experience as well but I just have to remind them that this this is this is a business trip this is this is an opportunity that's in front of us that that you'd hate to just kind of go through the motions or kind of lose it um let it slip um because you let it you kind of let it turn into more of a vacation. Um, they got, I tell them all the time, you got the rest of your lives to travel to places and, and vacation. This is, this is, this, you're here for a purpose and, and just trying to make sure that they understand that. And it's going to be difficult. Like I said, a lot of these guys have not experienced, you know, any, any of this, any postseason. Is there any way you can create a home game like atmosphere? Uh, you know, you got some of those families coming in because you guys have been so good at Dado field. Um, is there any, uh, you know, portion of the field that you guys have brought with you, any special, uh, some posters off the wall or whatever it takes to, to, to help the guys feel like they're at home. No, shocker. I'm not that creative. I, I don't, <laughs> um, I, they do the Dado shuffle, right. That uh, we started doing in the fall and they do that after every stretch, which I love. Um, no, I, I don't, it's just, it is, it's baseball. You know, it's just reminding these guys it's, it's 90 feet, right. It's dirt. It's the same as we got a data, you know, just, just play the game. Um, and I, maybe it's, it's good. It's, I think it's part of our development. I think that win yesterday was good. It was good because we won on day three. And that's part of what we want to be able to get really good at is, is, is having the discipline and strength to, and the mental toughness to win on day three, right? Especially when you've, when you've lost the first two. And so I think that's, that's part of the development of our program. All of these things, all these experiences, you know, um, I think are going to help us grow um, as our program moves forward. Now you guys have an interesting pool um, and two vastly different weekends. You know, you played what you play Washington, you'll play UCLA, you'll open with UCLA. So rivalry matchup to open first uh, Pac-12 tournament game for USC will be against the rivals. Um, But you play UCLA who you talk about the third game, a game that you guys were able to win to win the series at home. Then you go to Washington on the road and get swept in three games where you're in all three games. You have the lead in a couple of those, uh, if I remember correctly. Um, and, and I know it was a big disappointment just the way that 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 weekend uh, transpired. What do you feel like you you've learned about Washington or UCLA after reviewing the series that you played against them? And you know, is is there some adjustments that can be made there? Well, I think yeah, they're two different ball clubs. UCLA is is uh, you know them obviously pitch great. You know that, and um, Coach Savage is is one of the best, and so we know that, and so. We're going to have to, you know, they're going to try to get us chase, and they were able to do that a little bit. We've got to be disciplined in the strike zone. Um, um, they're a little more, um, from an offensive standpoint, they're going to be more of a manufacturer at times. Um, you know, I think with Schreier still being out, he's still out, right? Cody Schreier. Yeah. Um, and so 
but they're 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 really productive in outs. They 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 use their outs wisely in that sense. Um, I know they're gonna you know try to hit and run and find those moments to do all that and get it. It's very successful. And the University of Washington's more you know kind of kind of bang it. They're not going to see as many sacrifices and um, um, they're gonna they got some guys that they can big strong young men that hit the ball a long way. And so, which I understand too. We all have to use our personnel wisely right and so but it's two different styles for sure um you know i think uh, we have to we have to we didn't pitch well at, at, at uw we didn't in seattle we um we let some some get away um late and so that's a big challenge for us and is to understand how to close games out and we didn't we didn't do it well there and obviously it cost us and so and they 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 did it well. They they finished strong in seven, eight, nine innings, and we didn't. And so, um, you know, it's it's all part of development. Again, I know you hear me say that a lot, but I just think that we're we're kind of in that that I won't say infancy stage. How do you say USC is in the infancy stage? But we're in a young stage of trying to help these young men understand how to win tight ball games. Right, the, the good teams win one run, two run games. Um, we've got to got to embrace those moments and. We didn't do a good job in, in Seattle, and, um, and and we know there are going to be tight games here, and there's going to be you know one or two runs to separate late, and you've got to be able to to play well in in those late late innings. That weekend, obviously, maybe it's a little bit of a turning point. Uh, you know, some of us had written you off after that weekend just because you know it looked like you weren't playing well, and. How are you going to respond when you have Oregon coming in? They've been playing; they were red hot at the time. Again, Arizona State have been playing really well coming in after them, and you guys did. You, you guys responded great. You know, taking both those series, sweeping Arizona State, and then getting one at Arizona this last weekend, and have done well in your midweeks. How do you think your team has changed since the sweep uh, against Washington? Well, I think you know you get you get beat up, and and you and you and you wake up the next day, and you're like, huh. I'm still alive. I don't, I don't <laughs> the world. It's all, it's okay. It's like, I think sometimes part of understanding sports is, is it's not always going to go the way you want it to go or the way you think it should go. And so, you know, you can make a decision how you're going to respond. I think the guys got back on the field and, and started just working at things we felt as staff that we needed to work on and done a nice job and, and they responded really well. Um, and I think that's just, again, that's the response that we've been able to do. And that's the part that it probably excites me about, about what I've seen this year from our team is um, we've been kind of knocked down, but we just keep, we keep bouncing back up and we get knocked down. We bounce back up. And so um, I think that's a mark of a, of a, of a, of a tough team, a team that's got some, some grit about it. And um, we're still not where I, where I really believe we're going to get to. I think we're going to be the team that, that can really bounce back with some vengeance. And so, um, but uh, certainly are good traits of a team that, like you said, yeah, when we got swept at Oregon State, and that was yucky feeling. And then at UW, and it just the boys just come back to work the next day and the next week, and and they've got a short memory, and and they just they they keep showing up, man, they keep showing up, and that's that's what that's what I'm excited about. There's been a lot of ebbs and flows through this season for the team, but also for for some of your individuals. And I thought it was interesting. You you made some interesting lineup moves recently to kind of get some guys going or to uh, to move some guys down the lineup to do some different things to reward some guys moving them up. I mean, you moved uh, Ryan Jackson kind of up and down a little bit. You move Olmstead down for a midweek game, then he hits two homers. Uh, you move Austin Wells from the two hole to the eight hole. 
How have you tried to balance the lineup recently with some of those moves? And, um, you know, is it just to try to get some guys going or is it uh, you know, partially to reward some other guys for, for doing well? How are you kind of trying to balance that? Well, I think um, mostly just trying to help guys get moving along again. You know, I think sometimes when guys hit, you know, one, two, and three, they they may feel some pressure. And you know, sometimes you, you bring them back down a little bit and, you know, the exhale and, you know, it, we hit already in, in the first, they haven't hit yet. They get to go play some defense, get to come back in. Maybe they get in the bat in the second or third. And they just seem sometimes to kind of be settling a little bit, a little bit better. Um, but, um, it's, not, it's more, more about, about that than anything else. Um, I mean, we've seen our lineup. It's basically the same, same, same nine on a, on a pretty, pretty daily basis. DH role is kind of bounced back and forth, but, um, yeah, they responded well. And as a, you know, as a, as a coach, you're trying to sometimes you just, you know, you, you got a you got a feeling, you got you got a hunch, like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit him here instead of there and see if it works. And sometimes it works out well. Sometimes I, I look at myself after the game and I think, man, that was a bad idea. Um, <laughs> but um but I think it's just sometimes I, for the most part, you you see the same guys at the top, and I moved Johnny Olmstead to seven just to kind of give him a breather. I thought he'd been, and he responded well, really well at LMU. But he's one of our run producers. I don't, I don't, I can't hit him. I can't do that all, all the time. I need, I need him. We need him in the middle. I need him in the middle, um, in moments of, um, runners and runners out there to, to drive him in. And so, um, but, uh, yeah, you're always trying to tinker here and there, trying to figure out what, what might click on a certain day and who, who we're facing, you know, and all that as well. It's just different, different you know, ingredients to go into it. Yeah, I thought it was uh, been interesting watching Olmstead. I mean, he's been driving in to run for you. But even when he was slumping, he finds a way to get that the game-winning run with a bunt, uh, you know, beating out a two-out bunt, uh, you know, just reading the defense and seeing what he could get done when he's not swinging the bat really well at that time. So uh, you, that's what you expect from your older guys, to find a way to get things done. One of your younger guys, though, has been the fire starter all season, the guy that everyone has wanted to talk about. How have you guys been dealing with Austin O'Vern's recent slump? Uh, you know, he had a couple hits at the very end of, of that Arizona series. Uh, maybe that helps get him going. But, you know, has any of the coaching messaging changed or has it just been about staying consistent with his approach, uh, you know, when he struggled here the last uh, few games? I didn't, I, didn't know he, I didn't know he was having a slump, Shotgun. I didn't even know that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. Um, we, that's the S word, man. You don't, you don't say that. But it is. You're right. It's uh, um, He has struggled a bit. Um you know, I think for him, he's 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 a young hitter and he's learning himself, right? And, and he's got some 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 pop, man. Right? He got some juice, um, and that can sometimes be um, um, a bad thing for a young kid because he's got a little bit in there. And so when you hit a couple home runs, it's fun to drive to jog around the bases, um, and so that's what you like to do. And so I think that that he's starting he's starting to understand himself. He's starting to understand. It who is the baseball better has to be part of it as well. And like he had a couple nice base hits the other way um, yesterday and we've been working Travis Stewart and he's been working on, on getting this, giving a better spot to where he can stay on balls better and use the middle of the field better. Um, not just it. I said, I said, I don't care how fast you are. If you hit a ground ball to second or first base, you're out. I don't care how fast you are. It, that's not going to work. Um, and so he understands that he's working hard to try to try to let the ball get a little bit deeper and work Work back up the middle, and that, that yesterday was a good sign. He had a couple of nice, nice base hits the other way, and um, and he's not going to lose his ability to drive the baseball at all. Um, actually, when you stay inside the baseball 
and you work short to it, you're quicker and you can handle the ball in even better. But he, it takes time, man. It takes time. Remember, this, this is three sport athlete in high school. He wasn't one of these guys that was running around, you know, um, going to all these showcases in the summertime. And I'm glad. I'm I'm glad that, that he's not one of those guys. I think sometimes because he's and he's got a great demeanor about him. I mean, he doesn't. It's just he's he's so consistent and even keeled. And I think that's a great trait for a ball player because of the failures that we deal with. Um, and so he's got a great future in front of him. Um, yeah, he's kind of gone through a little bit of a funk, but, uh, um, you know, um, when he gets on base, man, his speed is, is, it's just, it's a weapon and, and, um, it's challenging for the opponent and shoot yesterday. He went first to third. I hit a line drive one hop to, to left fielder and he went first to third and, and their left fielder was pretty good. Um, he didn't even think about going to third. He just threw the ball at second base. I mean, it's, that's, he is, he is on the base pass. He wants to, he, he likes to move. So, um, but yeah, he'll, he'll be fine. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's nice. He was swinging that better for a while and he's got a little bit of funk, but we'll, we'll go work day tomorrow and, and uh, we'll help him get ready for Tuesday. Yeah. It seemed like he was even snake bit a little bit there. I mean, he had, uh, earlier, I guess it was uh, on Friday, he hits the line drive with the bases loaded and Hey, if it's, Couple feet, yeah, one way or the other. Maybe he gets through, and it's a couple RBIs, and he feels like he feels good about himself. Instead, it turns to a double play that ends in inning. Um, so it just felt like it, it kind of was snowball a little bit on him. So I thought it was really good for him to get those two hits, and the fact that you know he went the other way um, for for at least for the single and got the double as well. How, how important is is he to the potential success of this team in a postseason situation, whether it be the Pac-12 tournament or in the future in a regional? Well, I see, you know. He's huge, right? Um, he's competitive and he's smart and he's a great defender in the outfield. I mean, I think you just kind of see the triples and you see the, you know, the, the batting average and, but he is, he is, he's a weapon out in the center field as well. He covers a lot of ground. He's got great, great angles to the ball. And so he gets the ball quickly. He's got a nice arm. I mean, he's, he's really turned himself into a nice baseball player and he really has. And so, you know, anytime your leadoff guy can, can be a guy that can get on base and, and just kind of just, you know, create pressure. That's always a good thing. And so, and he's a run scorer. Um, we don't need him to be a run producer. We need him to be a run scorer. So in order to score, score runs, he's got to get on base. And so um, he's not, he hasn't learned to walk yet, really. You know, he's just, it's all part of what he's developing. He just, mm-hmm. that's okay. That's, I get it. And, and he's, he's just, he's still learning how to do this. And so, um, but I feel like for us, there's no better leadoff hitter and and that's okay. And so he's, he's going to get there and, and give us a book and Pete and give us his best shot. And that's, that's all I, that's all I want. Adam. Still just a freshman. We, have, we do have to remember that. Um, you got a couple other freshmen at the bottom of the lineup that have been really kind of producing for you. What's been your perspective on the development of the bottom of the order with Hedges, with Ryan Jackson really coming on the last three weeks or so, and with uh, Jacob Galloway kind of filling in with Connor Aoki uh, down with the injury? Since we last talked to you, what what, what's, what have you seen from those guys to really develop and make? Well, remember, you- and Gus Lawrence is a freshman. freshman. I mean, I mean, he's he didn't play last year. He didn't, he didn't play a lick, mm-hmm. right? So he sat for a whole spring, and he didn't play last summer either. So, think about it. he sat. He did not play baseball. He's not played baseball since his senior year of high school, really. You know, and so now he's finally getting a chance. And so, um, but all those guys, Galloway's got a great opportunity. He's taking advantage of it when when um, Aoki went down, and um, Coach Jewett 
you know, he, he was a squatty stance guy and kind of just trying to flip things, you know, and, and soft serve balls to left field. And um, we knew he could, we knew he could play defense. He had, he had good hands behind the plate and receive well. And, um, but I remember when we got him from an offensive standpoint, I kind of scratched my head. I never seen the, I never seen him play. I remember he came, he was going to Texas Tech and, and we were, we were kind of scrambling. We lost two catchers late. And so we, we, Took a fire on him, and uh, man, he's been great. Man, he can really catch, he can receive, and his coaches got him standing up a little taller in stance, and kind of just hands a little taller as well, and and, and just kind of working inside the ball and through it. And um, man, he's been he's been a pleasure, man, to watch him develop and understand how to hit and learn how to hit and drive the ball, not just kind of just try to just kind of flay it out there. He's driving it well, um, and then uh, Hedges has been, you know, we. Hedges, we thought was going to be a two-way guy. We just thought that he started playing first base. And, um, man, I just think he's a nice first baseman. He's starting to play that position well. And he's um, he's been sitting in the middle of the lineup. And, you know, there's been talk about – me and Coach talked about Coach Jewett about possibly moving him a little bit down the lineup. Um, change, who knows? I don't know what we're going to do. But but he puts the ball in play. And he competes. He, he uses the middle of the field really well. He's got some big hits for us. Um, you know, he's just – he's gotten better and better as the season's gone on. And, and then, uh, like I was referring to earlier, Bryce Martin Grizzlonic is – I mean, he's he's learning. He's learning how to do it as well. Um, he's his own enemy. He's on, his own, he's his own worst enemy at times. He, he plays a lot of emotion trying to get him just to relax and breathe a little bit. Um, but um, but he's competing well, and he's learning. he's learning the game too. That's amazing. You know, I forget sometimes like like guys will do stuff and and I think it's pretty elementary stuff to be aware of and they they don't really aware of it. And I have to explain to them some situations that we're gonna get beat if they don't keep their head on a swivel and understand the game better. And and um and he's he's like a sponge, man. He's he wants to listen, he learn, he wants to learn, he wants to listen. And then, you know, Jackson, not a freshman, but you know, he's been had a big night the other day, but and he had a great day yesterday. But but defensively, he played he played a fantastic game yesterday as well. He's done a fantastic job at shortstop and solid. You know when he gets to, he's got great feet. His feet work through the ball really well, and his arms moving better as well. And so, um, you know the those guys have been instrumental. They played every day. I mean, you look at our roster; they they play every single day, and I'm I'm proud of that too because it's it's not easy. Um, and you know they're young bodies still; they're not men. Um, but these these young men, they they show up every day, and they they're excited about playing every day. Last question before we let you get out of here: It's a big one. You guys have moved up to number fifty-one in the RPI. A couple games, at least in Scottsdale. Hopefully, for you guys, uh, you more than a couple. But do you feel like you've earned an at-large berth if you guys do not win the Pac-12 tournament? How would you kind of state your case to the NCAA selection committee right now? Well, Shotgun, I think you think about it, fourth fourth place in in this conference. It's the number I think it's the number three ranked RPI conference, correct? And so, outright fourth place, um, shoot seventeen wins. Um, that's not easy to do. Um, outright four, right? And so, I think the body of work. I know an RPI is is a thing. I get it. Um, I understand it totally. But the body of work what you do in conference, I think, has got to play play the main factor and kind of where, where you're at. 
right? And and, um, and, and I understand we got to play well this week this weekend when we are. Um, but I would, you know, we won seven out of ten weekends in conference play. Um, I think we won we won ten out of fourteen weekends overall. And so you're looking at pretty good baseball for an entire season. There's been there's been bumps and bruises. Right, we we already discussed those. But when you look at the the whole of it, right, um, the entire season, you think about it, you went seven out of ten in the number three ranked RPI conference in the country, and you went ten out of fourteen altogether. I think four of those were sweeps. Um, you know, we're pitching really. We, our, our ERA is pitching wise. We're one of the top teams, and I think a lot of categories nationally. Certainly in the in the in the pack we are as well. And so I think, you know, I think we all can state our case, right? I mean, I think you know everybody could could have a have a case, but I think at the end of the day, when you come in fourth place in a really competitive um, conference, you won seven out of ten. Um, that that should that should mean something. Now the other option is the one I'm sure you prefer, which is just to take it out of the selection committee's hands. Take the conference's automatic berth if you win the Pac-12 tournament. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys out in the desert in a couple of days. I look forward to getting out there, seeing what the Trojans can do in Scottsdale. Andy, thanks so much for taking the time to join us on the Dano Download Podcast. Always shotgun. Always a pleasure, buddy. We'll see you. We'll see you in a couple of days. With that, we're going to jump into our break, and then we'll be back with Jack and I taking a little deeper look at the past week and looking forward to this week's Pac-12 tournament. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. It's lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition the two-way v4 gives you the tools to play at a high level learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back from the break. Make sure to check out our sponsors, and please like, subscribe, and review the podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform. Also, if you have any questions, comments, requests, you can send them to podcast at uscfootball.com. 
just make sure you put Dado Download or the Baseball Pod in the headline to make sure that it gets directed to us. Now, before we jump into our normal segments, recapping last week and looking forward, Jack, what kind of stood out to you about my interview with Andy Stankiewicz? I think it was, you know, the last thing that you guys talked about, which was, you know, him stating USC's case for an at-large berth. I mean, we've talked with just about every coach on the staff now, and, you know, they've had, you know, their ups and downs of how they viewed this USC season, but we haven't really asked them, hey, you know, talk very well about your team right now. Make a pitch to us why your team deserves an at-large berth. I mean, I think, you know, we had been complimenting them on their play so far this season, but to have, you know, Andy come out and say, you know, they, we've won this many series in the Pac-12 and this many totally and this many were sweeps. And this is why I think we do deserve that at-large bid. You know, we, we, he mentioned how well that USC has been pitching. You know, he mentioned, you know, the ups and downs they've had, but how they've rebounded. That was just really interesting to see him kind of view the regular season in its culminated form and make it and make his pitch, at least for the NCAA tournament at-large bid. Yeah, we've been kind of riding the waves with this team. And, you know, as fans that they're listening to this podcast, I'm sure they've been riding the waves of, oh, man, they're off to a great start. Oh, they go to Auburn. Is this team for real? You know, that question has been bouncing back and forth throughout this season. So, uh, you know, you, you got to, you know, coaches can look at it from the, total, the, the totalitarian uh, viewpoint, uh, seeing the entire cumulative uh, effect of it and trying to kind of break it down. That's what you expect the selection committee to do. That's what their job is to do to, not just look at, hey, what have you done in the last couple of weeks, but what have you done throughout the entire season? So we'll see what USC's resume looks like at the very end. They're coming off of a week, you know, to end the regular season. Like we said, this is normally the last week of the season for USC, but no, they're going to Scottsdale and then potentially beyond that. And they finally get off the schneid a little bit. They go to Loyola Marymount and they end their road losing streak that they had before that. Um, you know, they just they struggled so much on the road this season. It had been uh, almost a month and a half, I think it was, since the last win on the road when they were playing at Utah in that series. Um, but, you know, what stood out to me in that game was the lineup switches. And they kind of asked Andy about that. But it was interesting to see Johnny Olmstead and Carson Wells being dropped from the heart of the lineup, the top of the lineup, to be in seventh and eighth. And Olmstead, the big response, you know, he hits two home runs. He had been six for 40 with one home run in his previous 11 games. His average had dropped about 35 points. So, you know, breaks out there, and that was good to see for him. And you'll see if that can carry on for him going into the postseason here. The corresponding move was, was moving Ryan Jackson up into the two-hole. At, he reached base, you know, multiple times in all four games the previous week. So kind of rewarding him a little bit. And it was interesting to see, okay, will that stick? Will that switch back? Uh, and he stayed in the, in the two hole for a couple games and then came back down to the eight or nine hole uh, where he had a big game um, in the, the final game of the regular season there. And you see USC couldn't really separate. Once again, that became an issue for him one more time. Uh, they let the Lions right back in the game. They made it a one run game. Olmstead gets the big insurance home run. But because they can't separate, those top arms in the bullpen have to be used once again. But Tremendous job. Those four guys at the, the back end do their job once more. Three and a third innings, two hits, no runs. Um, they were lights out once again, and that's been the big key for USC is their starting pitching has been solid. Midweeks has been a little bit of a question mark, but the bullpen has been consistent throughout. That's the one thing that hasn't really ebbed and flowed this season. Yeah, really outside of the Washington series, which I think there were some unfortunate circumstances there where you felt like everyone was really tired and they blow one game on a game game where Kyle Wish has to come back in after throwing 
over an inning. I think it was an inning and two thirds the day before. But other than that, yeah, you're right. The bullpen has been really the rock of this team, which if you had told either of us that coming into the season, I think watching SC baseball the past couple of years, you wouldn't really believe it. But a lot of these guys, props to them, have made some real big comebacks. They've made some breakout strides this season. And I think if you're USC heading into the Pac-12 tournament, maybe even a regional as well, you feel really confident with your guys, especially in the back end. And they found some guys that can give them length as well, like a Fisher Johnson, who only went point two innings uh, in this game, but has proven he can go as long as around three innings uh, in previous games this year. The things that stood out to me as well is uh, you mentioned the lineup changes, and we've talked with different coaches about how there's a routine at home, and sometimes on the road they aren't as great at playing without that routine. I think Andy Stanko is kind of playing into that a little bit by saying, you know, yeah, this isn't our home routine. We're going to you know, play into that. We're not going to make it routine at all. Everyone's going to be hitting in different spots, and I need you guys to, to react and respond accordingly and, and hit from sometimes different positions. And Johnny Olmstead hits two home runs from the seventh spot, and it felt like USC with – Kind of a, a breath of fresh air in this one gets the win eight to six. Now let's move on to this weekend as well, where the Trojans were heading to Tucson to play Arizona, their final Pac-12 series, final regular season series of the year. And it was supposed to start on Thursday shotgun and be a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. But Thursday gets rained out, which means it's a double header on Friday and the Trojans drop both of them. And now you're starting to wonder, is USC going to get swept again on the road in a Pac-12 series? Then they end up winning the game on Saturday. But what stood out to you from the doubleheader first on on Friday? I mean, let's first start with the downpour on Thursday. No one told me it's supposed to rain in the desert, but it seems like when it does rain, it, it pours. And that was the case there. And I thought it was interesting. Andy mentioned uh, in the conversation that you know, they were at the ballpark for a long time because they thought they were going to play, thought they were going to play. And that can wear on a team when they're on the road or it can unite a team. Um, but so that's why I thought it was really big for USC. Long Thursday, don't get to play any baseball. Super long Friday because you lose both those games. To bounce back on that Saturday game says even more there. But, you know, the doubleheader, they took an early lead in the first game, and then Sarson ran into some trouble. You know, Arizona's Cam Walty looked like a Friday starter, and USC didn't really have an answer. And the Wildcats were able to separate against some of the second-tier relievers, I guess we'll call them, um, you know, the Michael Ebners and, and um, you know, Toby Spox, guys that aren't your your premier guys who you're trying to eat some innings up so you don't have to use those premier guys. But the Wildcats were able to separate, and because of that, you know, USC was out of that first game. Okay, reset, come back for the second game. Um, and similar, you know, they were they had opportunities. And that was the thing uh, in both these games was – there were opportunities and USC couldn't capitalize, you know, in the, in the second game, it felt like Caden Aoki was getting, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts um, because it, it was a bleeder here, you know, a CNI scene go through and, you know, they were able to score four runs off of him when they didn't really hit a bunch of balls hard. They hit one real hard single kind of lead off an inning. But then after that, the, the big inning they had in the third where they scored three runs, like everything else was kind of, against the shift or a blue pier, whatever it may be. So Kate Oki was pitching pretty well. Um, and then the offense, you know, gets them back in the game. The sixth inning, they score three runs and, you know, they had missed some opportunities in the fourth and fifth inning. Uh, they actually, they had, I think it was the fourth inning, they had the, the bases loaded, maybe it was the fifth, and Austin O'Vern comes up and he finally is like, he finally gets the ball, hits it hard, hits a line drive, and it goes right to the second baseman. Carson Wells gets doubled off. And then I thought it was interesting, send a message. He got benched. He got picked off and, you know, and thrown out uh, a little bit earlier in the game. And then, you know, when he gets doubled off on this, he got benched and, you know, they sent uh, Adrian and Colon Rosado out to the outfield for Carson Wells. And 
I thought it was really uh, a good sign that Carson Wells bounced back from that the next day, had a huge game in that finale. But, you know, the offense gets them back in the game here. It's you know, Suddenly it's 4-3, and then Katie Oki, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts. One of those things that that does is that, you know, you're still pitching pretty well, he was at this time, but now the offense has seen him, uh, you know, an extra time through the lineup. And now suddenly, you know, they're sitting on something, and Tony Bullard blasted him on the left field for a solo shot. And then – Two batters later, Emilio Corona just destroyed a ball to center field. So that death by a thousand paper cuts became two big blows that created separation once again. And that ended up being all the scoring. You know, the offense, you know, still a little bit off there for USC. Um, and, you know, they, they weren't able to catch up there. And suddenly you lost both games of the doubleheader. You're going into the finale, potential losing streak going to Scottsdale. Now you're worried about your bubble situation. You could have really solidified yourself with a couple more wins. But they bounced back on on Saturday in that finale. Yeah, they they definitely did. What stood out to me, at least for for the doubleheader, it's just the the pitching, which you had normally seen Soderston and Aoki be so good. We mentioned in last week's episode, one in three, Aoki was one, and, and Soderston was three in conference ERA. And Soderston normally, you know, pitching to contact or striking guys out. This time, just too many walks. USC as a team walked eight in game one of the doubleheader. And then Aoki, we've normally seen him pitch to contact and not get hit hard and get out. This time, he's pitching to contact, still not getting hit hard, but they're just not turning into the normal outs, which when you're a guy that can pitch to contact and induce, you know, weak ground balls, sometimes pop-ups that can happen to you. You know, those sinker ball types or the guys that do pitch to soft contact. Sometimes you just get singled out a little bit where everything feels like it's finding a gap or it's hit too soft for a fielder to get to it. And and those are kind of the worst times to be up on the mound. And when you're in a field like you are in Tucson with the air can be kind of thin, sometimes the ball can really fly. If you let your guard down a little bit, then it's easy to give up two solo home runs and Arizona kind of ran away with the game after that. And the Trojans did not score again. So just with the U you felt really confident about Soderson and Aoki going, it was supposed to be Thursday, Friday ends up, they both go Friday and it was just an uncharacteristic day. I think for both of them, I think Soderson not around the zone as much as he normally is. And Aoki just getting a little bit more unlucky than we've normally seen him on the mound. And you're right that you can look up at that, at that final standings and realize we just lost both of these two games. And we had our two ACE guys going on the mound. And luckily for, for USC, they had another one going in Tyler Strumsburg, but it was really the offense on Saturday that really rebounded. The Trojans had their most hits uh, in a game all year with 19 scored 14 runs they scored in six different innings of all the nine that they played. And, and the offense was really the story in that final game. Yeah, they jump out to an early lead. Uh, Bryce Martin grows a hits a home run. Carson Wells hits a home run. Arizona bounces back. You know, they they scored uh, – they were within a run. They scored two runs, I think it was, in the, the third inning to you know make it a 4-3 game. And USC immediately responded. That was really big right there because, okay, it feels like, all right, we finally got some momentum going. Oh, they answered – and you can get into, you know, you can start fighting yourself a little bit and it kind of builds and builds, especially when you've lost a couple of games, you're on the road, you've struggled so much on the road. Instead, they immediately responded five runs in the fourth inning. Ryan Jackson hits a two-run homer. We know Ryan Jackson doesn't hit homers very often. I think that was the second of the year. And then the guy who does hit homers pretty often, uh, Cole Gabrielson, hit a three-run moonshot. Uh, Seven million feet. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't know what the stat, the the track man said on that one, but it, it was inaccurate. The answer was seven million uh, as far as the distance on that one. My favorite was Chase Davis in left field, uh, the Arizona left fielder. Like 
he took one step and it was just like, no, and just put his head down a little bit. Uh, So that kind of told you how far that ball went. And then USC, they get, they put up a big zero after that shut down inning um, for, for the the pitching side of, for Tyler Stromsburg, they put two more up on the board. So you've separated, you've answered, and then now you've separated. And I thought that was really big uh, for them just to, to be able to get some things. And one of those hits was an Austin O'Byrne double, um, so to get him going would be huge for USC. So I, you know, like I said, I thought it was huge for Carson Wells to bounce back after getting benched the day before. He went four for five, scored four runs, had a double, a homer, three RBIs. Um, so it was really big for him. And then big potentially Austin O'Byrne getting a couple hits, maybe kind of breaking free. I think he'd been one of twenty-one before the couple of hits that he got, or maybe one of twenty-three. Um, I think he, after he got the first two t- out the first two times. And then USC did what they do. They turned the ball over to the bullpen. Kyle Wish and Gary Clark were do what they do. You know, their lights out once again. Pitched the final three and a third innings, allowed one base runner. Those two guys have been so locked down for them. If those guys have struggled this year or just been average, USC is not even in the, there's no question that they are even talking about bubble because they would have lost five or six other games, you know, or maybe it's three or four. That's all it takes. You know, you lose three or four more games, and suddenly you're nowhere close to being where they are this season. So those guys have been so important at the back end, and, you know, they've just got to get the ball to them. You know, the first two games uh, the, in the doubleheader, the first two games of the series, they just they couldn't get the ball to them with a the lead. If they get the ball to those guys, they have so much confidence in, in what can happen with the, them going forward. Yeah, you know, the offense did a great job getting it to those guys. I mean, you know, mentioned that the 19 hits was a season high, but – Eight of the nine starters for USC had a hit. The only one that didn't was Adrian Colon Rosado. Seven of those eight had multiple hits, and the only person that didn't was Cole Gabrielson, whose one hit seemed like counted for about four on its own with knocking in three runs and hitting it as far as he did. But you look down at the bottom of the lineup, and Ryan Jackson's a guy we've normally seen in the ninth spot. Then you mentioned Carson Wells, a guy who Andy Stankiewicz has been tinkering with, you know, where to put him, and you do mention that he did get, get benched. But those two guys combined to go eight for ten, the eight and nine hitters in your lineup that we've been talking about how how well this bottom lineup has been hitting for USC, even if even with Andy Stankwitz kind of maneuvering things around, the bottom of the order, the last two guys going eight for ten is a recipe for success. And I think USC has a very fluid lineup right now where you can take some of these guys at the bottom, put them at the top. You can take some of the guys at the top, move them down a little lower, like a Johnny Olmstead going to the seventh spot and hitting two home runs. It feels like everyone's pretty confident no matter where they are. And I feel like they like their run production ability from one to nine. And sometimes you feel just as confident with those seven, eight, nine hitters coming up as you do other times with your one, two, three up. And that's the sign of a good lineup. Yeah, and Andy Stankowitz talked about that, how, you know, they move some guys down to give them a little bit of a breather, basically, um, and then moving them back up, like Johnny Olmstead, obviously, had it really responded well in that LMU game and doing that. Um, Ryan Jackson's been moving around a little bit, but he's been so solid for them recently. And Jacob Galloway just continues to be a hit machine. Now, we'll see if Conor Aoki is able to come back. He's, he's just about to be back, from what I've been told. So we'll see how they kind of use, you know, do you want to use Jacob Galloway? They thought he was a defense first catcher originally um, and, you know, tinkered around with a swing a little bit. And, you know, he's become a guy for him. has been really, uh, has really come on at the end of the season and in the regular season and become a, you know, a, a weapon for him at the bottom of the lineup, he's both driving in runs and getting on base for some of the guys when the lineup does turn over a little bit. So where does USC stand right now? Well, the Trojans are 33-22-1 overall. They are 17-13 and 13 in the Pac-12. As we said on previous editions of the Dato Download podcast, when you win 17 games in the Pac-12, you are you, the, historically you are in the NCAA tournament. 
Now, it's a little bit different with the fact that it, there is a Pac-12 tournament now. So if USC were to go 0-2, 17-13 and 13 in the past, now that becomes a 17-15 and 15 because when the selection committee is looking at your resume, what you do in a conference tournament, they just add to your conference re- record. So they look at it. If you go 5-0 and 0 in the conference tournament, it would look like you went 22-13 and 13 for USC. If you go you know, 0-5, obviously that's not possible, but you know that they add that to it um, so they don't distinguish those really. So even though it's on a Tuesday, even though it's different, even though it's a different setting, even though it's neutral site, they just kind of add that when they're looking at your resume overall. So we'll see if, you know, if 17 and 13 in the past has been a recipe to get you in, will 17 and 15 now? That's a little bit more of a question mark. It would then look at, all right, where's your RPI? Where's some of your other metrics? So I think for USC, I think they're still in right now. And But, you know, they finished fourth place, as Andy Stankowitz said, you know, that's huge, you know, to to be in solo possession of fourth place in the number three RPI conference in America. Um, and they're right now their RPI is number 51. They climbed up six spots from last week. That's up 15 spots the last two weeks. So USC has done a lot of work the, at the end of the season. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, where's your, you know, when a, if a couple of bids start getting stolen in conference tournaments or something, is USC going to then be fretting? You win one game in Arizona, we're pretty pretty confident that will for surely lock it up. You win two and advance to the you know the the next round. You're definitely going to be in there. Uh, but I still think they're in right now. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, you know, what do you think, Jack? Do you feel like they you feeling confident that they're already in, or you think they got to win one? You know, I, I think they're I think they're still on the fringe. Like I don't think it's a lock um, per se, but. You look at the two teams that are in their pod as well for this for this first part of the Pac-12 tournament. It's UCLA, a team that they have proven that that they can beat. They won the three game series at Dado Field, uh, and you know they proved they pro- they proved they could beat them in that series. But the other one is Washington. If you can go and you beat Washington, I think there's there's no doubt because you've you're avenging the sweep at the hands of of the Huskies earlier in the season. And I think losing to UCLA doesn't quite matter as much because you've already proven you can beat them and who knows you know exactly who USC is going to throw out there on the Tuesday game but if you're using one of your pitchers your main guys one of the weekend starters to try and beat Washington and you can do it I think that that makes the sweep at the hands of the Huskies that felt that kind of got away from USC because they could have won the first two games of that series and maybe had a chance to sweep themselves I think that would be a, a you know a good avenging loss or a good avenging win on Thursday and I'm not I don't think I'm not super confident in saying that USC is automatically in right now, even if they lose both games. I think I would agree with you, though, that if they win one of the two, I think they have to feel really good about their chances. Now, Washington comes in. USC will open with UCLA. UCLA comes in at number 62 in the RPI. Uh, Washington comes in. They'll they'll have a day off. So USC's schedule is they will play in the 2.30 time slot um, throughout the pod uh, portion of it, which is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. There's a 10 o'clock, one pod plays at 10 o'clock every day. That's Oregon State, um, Arizona, and Arizona State. USC, UCLA, and Washington play during the 2.30 time slot, and then there's a later time slot, which is Stanford, um, and Oregon, and um, blank, Cal, the, the final team that made it in. So the your pod plays at the same time every day, so you get into a little bit of routine. I think that's a positive for all the teams involved in the in it. Uh, but USC will play UCLA on Tuesday, have an off day, and then they're scheduled to play on Thursday. Now, this is the same schedule that they were supposed to have last week, where you play a midweek on Tuesday, you have a day off, 
and then they were supposed to open on Thursday in Tucson for a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. So a little bit of preparation already there the week before. So I think that's a positive for them. You know, not every you know, every team gets a bye in the first three days or gets a day off. But some teams, it's okay. You get Tuesday off. Some teams, they get Thursday off. So, I, which day is best? I don't really know. You know, it's a new thing. This whole pod system is completely new. So we'll see how it kind of plays out. How coaches are going to attack it? You know, do you if you're USC, do you just play out? Well, okay, we're going to use our midweek guy on Tuesday because that's what normally they would use. And Eric Hammond's the freshest guy. That's the guy we're going to go with. Or do you try to bring somebody back on super short rest? I don't think that's a smart thing to do, especially with the potential of playing the weekend after. You want to have, have your, you know, your aces. You want to have those guys fresh. You want them to be going on a normal amount of rest. So, you know, you can bring back uh, Blake Sodderston on Thursday and have him start then. And you would feel like, okay, this is basically his normal rest. It's a day short. But that's not a big deal. That happens every once in a while. Um, and I think you, I think that's the best way for USC to play it out. Now, some of the other teams, you know, if they're if they have Tuesday off, but they play Wednesday, do you try to rush somebody back? And everyone's kind of in a different situation. You know, UCLA, Cal, you got to win to get into. You got to win the Pac-12 tournament to get into the NCAA tournament. They're just they're out right now. Um, for Washington, if you make a run and and win the Pac-12 tournament, do you then get in as a host? I mean, it's potential. They, we've seen a couple teams do that in the last couple of years where they make a run and win their conference tournament, and suddenly they're hosting when they would not have been previously. So everybody's got a little bit different, um, you, you know, objective this week besides trying to win the conference tournament. Everybody wants to do that. But as far as securing their place in the NCAA tournament, I, I think everyone's got a little bit different. So how does USC kind of go about it? They'll start on Tuesday, like we said, against UCLA. They'll play Washington on Thursday, and then – once pool play is over after Thursday's games, everybody has played two games. That's the way it works. All nine teams that are invited have played two games on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday during that three-day period. Everybody's had an off day. Then they take the three teams that have won their pod. So if anybody's two and zero, they will advance. Uh, they'll take the, the three tops. You know, if you're if there's a tiebreaker, then it goes to the top seed. So USC. You know, if they are, if both USC and UCLA, uh, if everybody finishes one, one, and one, okay, the top seed Washington is going to go. Um, if, if there's a tiebreaker somehow else and it, with UCLA, they'll have that. Um, but then there is a fourth team. And this is where it kind of gets interesting. You know, if you win your pod, you're in. That makes sense. The fourth team, though, is whoever is the highest seeded team basically to go one and one after that. So, you know, if USC goes one and one and the three top seeds all advance out of their pods, then USC being the fourth seed would be the team to advance. So I think that was a big thing on uh, Saturday. It's not just that they won and, hey, they got back on a win track. I think that was huge for them. But they locked up the number four seed. They locked up fourth place, uh, you know, moving in front of Arizona State. They could have been fifth if, if they would have lost that game. Um, instead, they move in front of Arizona State. Their solo possession of it, so that stands out a little bit more on the resume as well, that they finished fourth instead of tied for fourth. And they have the tiebreaker now when it comes to the pods afterwards, if the top three seeds win. So that'll be something to be interesting. I mean, the pod system is is only being done really by one other conference, that's the ACC. So we'll see um, how it kind of works out for the Pac-12. And, uh, you know, the, the coaches decided to make this move because last year, 
everybody was worn down. I mentioned this with Andy uh, that we're talking. Uh, he was not in this tournament. He was over at the WAC. I did get to go see them uh, last year as well, Grand Canyon. But it was 9 a.m. is what the start times, and every day ended after midnight, basically. So in, like, the first two days, it was, like, 2 a.m. leaving the ballpark and then 1.30 leaving the ballpark, go home and, and go home, home, quote, quote, unquote, uh, go to the hotel right until 5 or 6 in the morning, publish something, get two hours of sleep, and then go back to the ballpark. That was my thing. And I know in the coaches, they overuse, had to overuse their pitchers, um, and a lot of different things like that. So they tried, they're trying this new pod system. We'll see how it works, the pool play, uh, and, and see you know, if that's a better system where teams get two games guaranteed so they can boost their resume, but they also get a day of rest. They're not overtaxing all their pitching, and then it will go to a four-team uh, tournament at the very end to see, determine the actual winner. Yeah, you know, we don't really know how this is going to work out. The other thing we don't really know is, you know, how hard are teams going to go in the pod? You know, a team like Washington, where I think you, you, we were talking before we started recording this, you feel pretty confident that Washington is in the tournament. UCLA, a team that unless they win the entire thing, they probably won't make the tournament. So they could be going harder than both USC and Washington if the Trojans feel like they are in a good spot to make the tournament, even if they go 0-2. Or if they go 1-1, they're either not going to move on and they still might make a regional, or because they're the four seed, they might move on anyway just by winning one game. So our team's going to sell out just to try and win one, but then they don't really care about winning the other. Are they not going to care about both games? Are they going to be like UCLA trying, knowing they need to win the entire thing to make a regional and just go all out and use everyone. We don't really know yet, which is something that we're going to see on Tuesday and Thursday. Um, but I think it's you know all going to be cards held pretty close to the chest. And then we're going to, figure it out uh, on Tuesday and Thursday. But I think Eric Hammond makes the most sense for the Trojans on Tuesday. He's a guy that is on, has the most rest. He's the normal midweek starter. And I don't believe the UCLA saw him. So he would be a good option to throw against the Bruins to, to give them a new arm to try and figure out from USC, who was able to take two of three the last time, but didn't have to use Hammond. So it'll be really interesting. And I'm, I'm really just interested to see how this is going to work out. Cause I feel like we really have no clue as of right now. Now UCLA did see Hammond, but that was in okay. the the college baseball Southern Cal mm -hmm. California college baseball classic early in the season. So we'll see how different he is. This is actually the tiebreaker, you know, for the for the season series because it's two two USC UCLA. So you know, this is an opportunity for USC to you know win the season series against UCLA in Andy Stankiewicz's first year. So let's look through the teams real quick. Stanford is already a lock. They're a lock to host pretty much. Even if they go 0-2, I think they, st they still will host. What they're playing for is to be a top eight national seed. So what comes with being a top eight national seed versus just a host? Well, that means if you win your regional, you are hosting the super regional. So that is a huge thing, the opportunity to host on your campus rather than travel somewhere else where it's going to be a crazy mob scene. Um, Oregon State, they are right now right on the bubble of hosting. So they want to win some games so they can lock up a host seed because playing at Goss Stadium in the postseason is an experience that a lot of schools, you know, when you get your Binghamton or whatever team has to come uh, from the East Coast, they're not ready for that. This is a, you know, it's a unique experience. It's the best crowd experience on the West Coast probably. So Oregon State definitely wants to win that. Washington, if they go on a big run and win the conference tournament, maybe they host then. Otherwise, they're solid as an at-large team. Uh, so, you know, if they lose the first game, maybe they just kind of pack it in. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. You know, no team's really going to pack it in, but maybe they feel like oh, we're good. 
we're still going to get in. We're not going to host, so we're not going to overdo anything there. USC, we know what they got to do. You know, obviously we, we talked about, you know, what they're trying to do. Arizona State is an at-large team. Arizona State, Oregon um, are, are both teams that are at-large and should be in the tournament. However, if they go 0-2, they start to worry a little bit. They're basically in the same situation as USC. If they win one game, they feel like they're definitely in. Um, and but they go into they're going to be fretful on Monday when it's selection Monday. UCLA, Arizona, California probably have to win the tournament to get in. Arizona has an outside shot where if they make a run in the tournament, their RPI right now is at 55, but they finished so far down in the Pac 12 standings. That's going to really hurt them. You know, they're 12 and 18 in Pac 12 play. So even though their RPI is at 55 and could bump up with a couple wins it's going to be tough for them to get in still. So, you know, looking at all that, that's the teams. That's what they got to do. Those bottom three are win, get in, or, you know, you know win it or lose it. I mean, win it or, or go home. Uh, so uh, we'll see how they – those teams at the bottom really try to play out the – you know, and use their arms and use their bullpen in different ways versus some of those teams up top that may feel a little bit more comfortable. And if they get one or two wins, maybe they just boost themselves up a little bit. So that's the Pac-12 tournament. That's going to be going on starting on Tuesday. It's going to be in Scottsdale. I will be out there. I'll be arriving basically right in time for the first game. If you guys are coming out, send us a message, send me a DM, whatever it is. Try to meet up with as many people as possible at the ballpark, in between games, whatever it may be. We'd love to see you guys out there. Hopefully there's a ton of USC fans going out there for this first time that they are making an appearance in the Pac-12 tournament. It's going to start on Tuesday. Pool play goes Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday is a single elimination four-team tournament uh, where the top four teams remaining from the pool play will play. The champion will be determined on Saturday night. Sunday, everyone either goes home, depending on when they're finished with their tournament appearance, or sit around in Arizona and wait to hear what happens on Monday. In basketball, it's Selection Sunday. In baseball, it is Selection Monday on Memorial Day. You know, Before you go out and get your drinks and go out boating, uh, in the you know in Newport Harbor or wherever it is, you gotta stay and watch to see who gets in. Do, do the Trojans get in um, on you know Selection Monday? And depending on how they you know how the day goes uh, or how the week goes in the Pac-12 tournament, could be determining how they're feeling when they go into that. Are they worried? Are they nervous? Are they just excited to see where they land? Now, where they land, Jack? Where are they gonna land? On the East Coast. Exactly. They're going to be on the East Coast because there are two main th things right here. There are going to be no other West hosts. You know, Stanford is going to host, maybe Oregon State, maybe Washington. But the rules state that you cannot play a regional um, at a – in a, uh, there are not two teams from the same conference in a regional. So if one of the teams hosting is Stanford or Oregon State, USC is not going to be sent to one of those. And because there's no other team, there's not UC Santa Barbara, there's not a Big West team, there's not you know a, a Mountain West, none of those teams are hosting. That means USC will be sent somewhere. I, I would guess they'd probably get sent to an SEC school just because that's kind of when the, the prognation, progn prognostications. Well, I'm running out of energy here. It's been a well, long you're using you're using two big words this late in the podcast. That's <laughs> true, true. Running out of juice here on a late Sunday night after uh, some Ivy League baseball tournament games, uh, multiple multiple days, multiple games uh, each day. Uh, but USC will be sent east. 
Uh, and then they would open, if they make a regional, they make the NCAA tournament, they would open play on June 2nd. All regionals start on June 2nd. It's staggered throughout the day. There are 64 games on Friday. It is amazing. There are 64 games on Saturday. It is amazing. And then it starts dwindling off as teams get eliminated, um, you know, starting on Saturday. But it's one of my favorite weekends of the year because it's wall-to-wall baseball. you got to watch Squeeze Play on ESPN or Bases Loader or whatever it's called now. My guy, Mike Rooney, who we've had on podcasts before, does a phenomenal job with that crew bouncing back and forth between a ton of games. Uh, but, you know, get out – if you get a chance, get out to Scottsdale. And then, hey, if you got you got some vacation time, why not head east and see what the Trojans can do somewhere else and, and go support them there. It should be really fun to see them back in the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2015. Now, in 2015, they got to stay home, basically, because UC Santa Barbara was able to host. Now, they hosted in Lake Elsinore. The funniest thing of that whole regional uh, was that UC Santa Barbara was the host, and they were the third farthest team away in that that had to travel the third farthest uh, distance because San Diego State was also in that regional, and USC was in it, and UC Santa Barbara had to travel farther than either one of them. Virginia wins that regional was one of the last teams to get into the tournament that year. And then they go on and win the entire uh, college world series that year. So USC lost to the eventual champs. USC actually had a no hitter against Virginia for the first like six innings uh, on the opening day, Kyle Davis, they end up losing that game, falling losers bracket, work their way back, make it to the regional final, but fall to Virginia um, in a late night game uh, on Saturday or Sunday or Sunday or Monday. I don't remember, uh, but ton of great baseball regionals are so much fun. So definitely hope that everyone can check those out. And hopefully USC makes it into one and they continue this growth that they've had and tremendous growth in year one under Andy Sankowitz. Well, and that means we get to continue to do the Dato Download podcast with some real SC baseball going on in the postseason. But either way, you know, a really great end of the regular season for USC. Not that I don't think the series they wanted it at Arizona, but to be able to get that win and win pretty emphatically on Saturday, well, that was a big deal to get. They're winning ways back a little bit before heading into this tournament. We'll see how the tournament goes here. And then, you know, kind of all eyes will be on that selection Monday where we expect USC to be in a regional. But as, as you mentioned, Chuck, as we've kind of talked about, it'll all be up in the air. But, you know, we'll be anxiously awaiting. And I'm sure we'll have a podcast after that to try and figure out where USC is headed, who they'll be playing and how they match up. Yeah, we're going to try to get Andy Stankowitz on the podcast again next week after selection Monday to kind of break down either – what happened and what went wrong at the Pac-12 tournament or hey, what happened and went well and where they're heading and what they are expecting from, you know, the kind of a first reaction to seeing who they're playing in a regional. Uh, so we'll have all that next week, but uh, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Dado Download Podcast, part of the Peristyle Podcast family. I've been your host, Shotgun Spratlin, saying thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you so much to Andy Stankowitz for taking the time to join us from his hotel room in Scottsdale and to everyone uh, that it's been following along the, the journey of this podcast throughout the season. It's been really fun following this team because you know, just out of the blue, we didn't expect them to be this good. And you know, give a ton of credit to both the players and the coaching staff for, for the strides they've made. And we try to write them off a few times. You know, every time they go on the road, we try to write them off. You know, now they're playing neutral site games, so I guess now they can be halfway comfortable. That I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Please, please remember to like, share, subscribe, leave us a review on your podcast listening platform. We hope you can join us for the next episode. Jack, any final words? No, just uh, good luck to USC this this week, and good luck to all of you guys traveling out to Scottsdale if you're going. Uh, hopefully it doesn't rain on you guys like it did uh, on USC at Tucson. 
Last year, I will say that there was no rain in sight. It was 90-something degrees getting to the ballpark every morning at 9 a.m. So we'll see. There are misters at Scottsdale Stadium if you are worried about the heat. And, you know, I haven't looked at the weather yet, but there are misters for fans. You know, they just come – they have misters that come over the fans that are sitting in the top rows, so in the shade and stuff. So it's not a bad environment e- either uh, there. If you're looking at the weather and concerned about that, you can still make it out and have a great time. But like I said, if you're going to meet out there, shoot us a message, shoot me an email or a DM and let me know. And I'll try to meet up with as many people as possible. We really appreciate all the support you guys have had this season. And we hope that you guys can join us for the next episode of the Dato Download Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.